From the School of Education at the University of Wisconsin-Platteville, this is the Proud Rural Teacher Podcast, and I'm your host, Jessica Brogley. Support for this podcast comes from the Rural Schools Collaborative, a national nonprofit committed to strengthening the bonds between schools and communities. Funding is part of the collaborative's I Am a Rural Teacher campaign. You can learn more about RSC online at ruralschoolscollaborative.org. It's been a while since I've headed up to Minnesota for an episode, and this one certainly will not disappoint. Today I'm featuring two teachers from the Goodhue School District, just north of Rochester by about 40 minutes. Now Goodhue is certainly rural, with a total K-12 population of just over 720 students. And I found this story by happenstance, really. So I wanted to do a story on a school in the Driftless of Minnesota that paid special attention to engagement with the outdoors or conservation. And sometimes these stories are so hard for me to find because I'm several counties away. So I jumped on Twitter and began searching fishing Minnesota kids just those three words. And there I found a tweet from Goodhue teacher Robbie Abner talking about the Goodhue Fishing Club. And oh my, did that lead me to a great story. Come with me to learn how teachers Robbie Ebner and Matt Halverson are connecting kids with the land in three different ways. And after you're done listening, be sure to read the show notes for relevant links. So today I'm joined by uh, teachers Matt Halverson and Robbie Ebner from the Goodhue School District in uh, the upper Driftless uh, region of uh, Minnesota. Uh, so uh, thank you for joining me today. I sincerely appreciate it and was thankful that you had tweeted about the good work you're doing in your school district. Um, so let's start off with first, um, tell me who you are and what you do in the school district. All right. Uh, well, I am a Robbie Abner and I uh, teach middle school social studies. This is my 11th year here in Goodhue. Um, I started out teaching second grade, uh, taught second grade for about four or five years and then switched over to middle school. Um, also, besides coaching or besides uh, teaching, I coach football and then coach basketball for a while, um, do the fishing club. And then just a lot of other odd and end things. As Matt and I were talking with you earlier, we also do driver's ed. Uh, I have a wife. My wife works here at the Goodhue School District. She's in charge of the technology and community ed program. And then we have two sons, uh, one's five and one's three. So pretty active in our community and in our school district. Absolutely. Sounds like it. Matt Halverson. Um, I'm the high school biology teacher. This is my 12th year here. Uh, I coach football. Uh, as well as the head boys basketball coach, uh, the Envirathon advisor. And then, as Robbie mentioned, we're part uh, two of the part three parts of our driver's education program. Uh, I'm also married to my wife, Maria, who works at Mayo in nearby Rochester. And we have a daughter, Josie, who's three, and son, Ben, who will be one in a couple weeks. So your paths must cross frequently during the school year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think our, our life paths uh, have kind of crossed we uh we both graduated from Rushford a year apart 
Um, so we were on a lot of sports teams and stuff together. Our parents have been great friends. Um, college, we went together, went to Winona State both and uh, yeah, lived together for a few years at Winona State and just kind of happened that uh, two teaching jobs opened up in Goodhue. Matt was here a year before me and then uh, talked about the great things in the community and I also applied here and that's how we're both here. That's Robbie's the little brother that I never wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Do you live close to, don't you live next to each other? Uh, yeah, well, uh, we're, we're neighbors technically now. So yeah. <laughs> that's a good thing you guys get along so well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's then uh, paint me a picture. I don't, I, I mean, on the map, I know where Goodhue is um, and that it seems to be a rural community, but that's about all I know. So can you describe to me what Goodhue is like, the community, the school, et cetera? Yeah. So it's a town of just over a thousand. Um, it's got a lot of like Irish and uh, German descent. And a lot of big families, a lot of farming families. So we have a lot of dairy farmers, uh, you know, a lot of pig farmers, beef producers up here. And so, you know, one of the things I think both Robbie and I saw as far as potential in the school is just there was a lot of kids that were already outside. They were already doing things outdoors, but we ne didn't necessarily have an avenue for them to display this knowledge. Uh, you know, we've had FFA, the FFA program has been really strong here. So as far as the town, it's a town of a thousand, a lot of very blue collar, a lot of agriculture in here. That's basically our main industry, that in the school. And um, yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of in between like, you know, a little bit of like the Mississippi River Valley, but also like some deciduous forests and a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, like the grasslands and farmland that's up here. So it's kind of a, a good mix, a good ca uh, capsule of Minnesota landscape, I guess, in our, our little radius of our community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're about 45 minutes south of the metro and then half hour north of Rochester. Gotcha. So uh, definitely a rural community where you're awfully busy wearing lots of hats and, and supporting. Uh, do you know how big your student body is? Um, we, we average roughly 50 to 60 kids per grade. There we go. Mm -hmm. And today you were at Envirothon. Now I have no idea what that is. Uh, I, I did look it up, uh, was surprised to see uh, that it's, you know, uh, a, a program. So tell me about that. So in where Robbie and I graduated high school was Rushford Peterson. And Rushford Peterson had a, a very, very good program. Uh, it was headed by, a, it was actually the A teacher, Craig Colbinson. And Rushford Peterson would win the state championship of Envirothon almost yearly. And when you win the state, then there's actually, it's, it's a national thing. So they would go to trips like the nationals one year were at Nova Scotia, and then they went to New York city, uh, Missouri, uh, the year that, that, uh, when I was a senior, we went up to Winnipeg, Canada. So there was all these, you know, a group of five students that were going to all these cool places because of this event. And it's kind of a, a, a little known secret, this competition. Uh, I wish it was, you know, more prevalent. I wish there was more schools. But basically, you're in this group of five. So, you know, you as a, a team, you work together with that group of five and you're tested in the areas of soils, waters, forestry, um, a current issue. And then the, the special topic is also with that. And so there's a like a written test, but you're also doing hands on things So like forestry. You're identifying trees, wildlife, you're identifying tracks and furs or scat. Um, 
in the aquatics, you might be doing like a, a water turbidity test or checking for clarity or dissolved oxygen. So it's just kind of a unique thing. Um, I try to explain it to, it's kind of like a, it's like an outdoor knowledge bowl, you know, yeah. it's a combination of a little bit of knowledge bowl, a little bit of FFA, but it's kind of got its own flavor. And I think that's why Robbie and I like it so much is because we get to uh, maybe work with students that we don't on the hardwood or on the gridiron or in athletics. And so uh, I think both of us enjoy that aspect of EnviroCon. So you take these five students to where were you today? So you start off with a, a regional and in Minnesota, we have eight regions. And so basically we're in the Southeast region, which is eight counties. Um, and there it's all the schools within there. And then at the regional competition, if you get in the top three, then you advance to the state competition. And the state competition bounces around to every, literally every corner of the state of Minnesota. So we've gone to Duluth, we've gone to uh, Worthington, we've gone to this year, because we got a state trip, uh, we're going to Fergus Falls, but it's been at St. John's University. So it's kind of nice because it's not the same thing over and over again. And it also allows our kids to see different corners of our state as well. And how do they prepare? So it's from an advisor aspect, we, one of the things that they do is they're given a scenario. So this year, the scenario was all about, um, uh, it's, it was a concert and it was uh, a concert that generates like a lot of garbage, a lot of waste. So what the students had to do is they had to develop a way to basically reduce the impact, the carbon footprint, the amount of waste that was generated. And so as far as preparation, a lot of the preparation goes into creating an oral presentation that they have to give. Um, but then also you're, you're studying about aquatics. You're studying about soils, wildlife, forestry within those topics. So like I said, with forestry, you might do some tree ID. So as advisors, we take them outside and we show them, you know, what's the difference between a black spruce and a white spruce or soils. We teach them how to do the soil texturing. So it's a, uh, it's a lot of, of work that they, you really, you know, you get out what you put in. So if a, a team is really gung ho and they do a good job, they're going to do really well. Um, at the same time, sometimes if you have a team that doesn't try, you know, you're, you're going to struggle. But as we said, we're in a rural community and they've been exposed to this throughout their entire life. So it's just been an easy avenue for us to add to their knowledge of basically what they already know or have a foundation of. Yeah, we really, really find that with students, they buy into it because a lot of them, do see themselves having a future in agriculture. So they find purpose in it. They find meaning to it as just kind of a introduction to maybe what a future career would look at. And it's almost works as like a job fair because they get to meet a forester. They get to meet uh, someone who works for the SWCD. They get to meet someone who, you know, works for the DNR um, and kind of ask them questions about their job too. And basically a intro to what a future career could be for them. What would a school do if they have more than five that want to do it? So we've had times where we've had six teams. Oh, of, of multiple teams. Okay. And, and yeah. And so like this year, Robbie rounded up the middle school really well. And so we had three middle school teams. So a school, I mean, I guess, I don't know if there's a cap, but um, a school can bring multiple teams. So if you have, you know, you do a little questionnaire, you got 15 kids. Well, okay, perfect. You can bring three teams. So there's no, like, you don't have to cut. Um, and then you can also have alternate. So if the kid is gone, or gets sick or decides not to do it, then you have someone uh, that can go in their stead. Um, but, you know, going back to it being such a well-kept secret, I just wish it wasn't because every rural school 
has these kids that have a knowledge in soils or hunts and knows how to identify waterfowl, you know? And so it, it just, it's a matter of finding five girls or boys that will, uh, or that can come together and then find one of these regional competitions. But it really is a, a secret that I wish wasn't as yeah. less, much of a secret. And, and conservation has such a direct effect to kind of our way of life in a rural area. So I think, like we mentioned earlier, it's just a way that they feel connected to it and they feel a lot of purpose within it. Doesn't Envirathon sound amazing? I'm going to leave links where you can learn more in the show notes. Now, after the break, we're going to learn about their incredibly popular fishing club and their school forest. Rural teachers work hard as classroom instructors and community leaders, and here at the Rural Schools Collaborative, we want to celebrate their stories. That's why we partner with the National Rural Education Association to bring you the I Am A Rural Teacher campaign. Read and listen to teacher stories, share your own, or visit our Teach Rural job board to view openings across the country. Visit IamARuralTeacher.org to learn more. I'm a rural teacher. I'm a rural teacher. I am a rural teacher. I hear that you're also, you've also started the fishing club. Now, how long ago was that? And uh, how did that get started? That, um, when I looked on the map, I didn't see any water source in Goodhue. Um, and I thought that was really interesting because I just assumed, you know, Minnesota lakes everywhere. So how did you get started? And well, why did you get started? Yeah. So this was even when I was in college, I taught like a, little community ed fishing class in Rushford. Um, just really enjoyed it. So then when I became a second grade teacher in Goodhue uh, and my wife uh, in charge of community ed, I started running a little youth fishing camp where we'd have two days in town. We'd practice casting. We'd practice just fishing basics, fish identification. Then on a third day, we'd load up on a bus and we'd go to Red Wing to like a small fishing pond and kind of put our skills to the test, so to speak. Um, so we did that for about four years. And one of the students that I had at, in a second grade fishing camp, and he was also third, fourth, fifth. Eventually, he got to be about a seventh grader. And he's like, hey, Mr. Ebner, I saw this on TV where, like, high schools are starting fishing teams. I said, oh, send, send me the link. And sure enough, uh, send me the link. We got in, got uh, pretty interested in it. I uh, got the contact information of the guy who uh, was on the TV interview uh, for the fishing club and just kind of picked his brain a little bit. And uh, we started ours in Goodhue about seven years ago. Um, and it's kind of just took off our first year of having the fishing club. We had 30 kids in it, one girl. Um, and then now, you know, six years later, we have about 76 kids and we have 30 girls in it. And one just getting uh, kind of some of the girls into fishing into the outdoors was a big thing. Um, and even a side note with that is we're having a number of our uh, um, Hispanic students from our Hispanic population kind of finding an avenue where we don't necessarily maybe have an activity that, uh, you know, they, they find interest in, but they're starting to kind of come to fishing club. We had one student as a seventh grader and then he's had a few other friends kind of join into it too. Um, and it's just really neat to see, uh, people that may not hang out with each other as much, um, enjoy fishing together. Very Um, cool. So yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of worked out that way. It's our club maybe runs a little bit different than some high school clubs, um, there's a number of high school clubs that have great numbers, great programs that maybe focus more on the competition piece and going to the bass tournaments and walleye tournaments. There's a number of high school tournaments that you can get uh, 
um, entered into. But each year I send a survey out to our students on, hey, what, what do you want with this club? And most of the responses that I get, like 95% of them say, hey, we want to just kind of keep this a good huge club. We want to, you know, go out fishing with kids in our group. We want to really focus more on the teaching aspect of it, uh, more so than the competition. So we've kind of stuck to it that way. Um, like a couple week, couple weeks ago, we uh, had like a little trout fishing expo clinic here in Goodhue. And at that clinic, it was just teaching kids how to like fly tie and cast with a fly rod and spin fish and just try to get something to hook onto them, literally. And then at the two weeks later, so on, we were supposed to go on Monday, weather was garbage, but on Friday this week, so tomorrow, uh, we're taking the group that was there at that event and we're going down to Rushford trout fishing. So, and a lot of the trout fishing guides that we'll meet down there for our fishing event are coaches and teachers that Matt and I had in high school and have that same passion. And Matt, Matt alluded to it earlier, but we were just very fortunate when we were in high school to have a great egg teacher as Craig Colbinson. He was one that just, he got us into a lot of the outdoor aspects of the Envirothon piece. Uh, he used to teach like a little fishing lesson um, in class. Uh, and that's something that I always thought was really neat as a you know high school student to be able to learn about fishing in school. So, oh, for uh, sure. Yeah. What, so how often is the fishing club getting together? So our club runs from about October to the end of July. And the reason for that is, is fall sports. We have a number of students that are involved in, you know, multiple sports are involved in FFA. They're in 4-H um, in our state or in our county fairs in August. So there's a lot of things that go on in the fall where, and, you know, a lot of them do still, still live on farms and, you know, they're very heavy, heavily involved in the farm, especially in the fall harvest. So we've ran it during that time period. Uh, we probably get the most people involved in the winter when we do ice fishing events. And this trout fishing event is always a big event too. The summers just with schedules and like I said, them being involved in so much, it's tough to get all 76 there at once. Um, but we usually get about a half to 40% of them to show up for an event at any given time. And well, 76 we, is a significant part of your student body. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot yeah and we have monthly meetings we have um little things that come up we have the local conservation officer come in just so that they can you know meet them on a you know i don't want to say a non-threatening basis but just just meet them when they're not out in the field um so that they can you know know their purpose know what it is that they're doing and looking for um and yeah it's just nice to meet them um where where are you taking them so you mentioned rushford yep. so uh, ice fishing where where are you going fishing like I said I didn't yeah. see water source in your town so how far are we traveling so we're only 10 minutes from Red Wing so Mississippi River is not too far away yeah. uh, with ice fishing though just with the ice not being you know very uh, trustworthy I guess at all, all times of Mississippi we tend to go to a lot of uh, smaller ponds and kind of backwaters in the area uh, we'll go down to Chesterwood that's kind of a big one uh, that's down by Rochester. Um, we've gone to a few kind of reservoir ponds that are created by the SWCD around Goodhue too that are stocked with fish when we can get permission to go on them. Um, so we find just opportunities. We try to make it within you know 30 minutes of the Goodhue area so more students are readily available to make it to those events. And do you have your own equipment or are students using their own? 
So we have a number of sponsors for it. So each year we do a sponsorship campaign where um, sponsors anywhere from a hundred bucks to we've had sponsors give $5,000 before. Um, and they know that it's for to get kids out into fishing, get them kind of into the outdoors and conservation piece. So by these sponsors donating money, we create like fishing club jerseys and sweatshirts that the kids wear that have all the sponsors listed on it. Um, and then the money for that is used. All that money goes back to the kids. It's either for like some transportation costs at times or it's for equipment. And even some of the sponsors that we get are larger corporate sponsors like Rapala or Eskimo. And we'll take the money that we get from our more local sponsors. And then we can use that money to buy gear at a discounted price so that kids can check out the gear and take it fishing, or we can use it for our own events. So we never want it to be an excuse that, oh, I don't have this to go fishing. Oh, I can't afford this, where we provide gear that kids can check out. Um, and I believe right now we have, like just with ice fishing getting done not that long ago, we have 11 shacks and there was about four or five weekends in a row there where I didn't see a single one of those shacks. Ice um, fishing shacks? Yeah, just like the pop-up shacks. Oh my gosh, cool. So that they're checking them out and they're gone. They're on the ice somewhere. And same thing with some electronics. We have some electronics that they can check out. And then uh, just most of them have a power drill at home where we have just the, the augers that hook onto the power drill um, so that we can send those home. But there's a lot of kids going home with ice fishing gear on the bus in the winter. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's, that would be such a cool sight to see. Awesome. Uh, and so do you have any idea when these kids leave your school, if they choose to go on into higher ed, um, you know, furthering their post-secondary, do any of them go into conservation or do they, do they carry on the passion for fishing as a personal hobby beyond school? Are you aware of any connection like that? Yeah, we've had a number of kids kind of get involved or get jobs with the DNR or even the SWCB, uh, local places, or even, you know, some of them, they just go on to a, um, you know, running their family farm or, um, you know, working for an honor uncle's farm. So they do have those passions that both Matt and I, you know, really try to bring out in them that um, kind of goes on later in life and shows up in their careers or even for most of them, their hobbies. So I'm also curious about one more thing in Goodhue, um, Minnesota. Uh, I always pay attention to how schools might be leveraging community resources. And you mentioned that you have a school forest, I believe. Uh, tell me about that and where it is in relation to the school district. So within our school grounds, um, we have our, like our baseball field, our football field. And so there was green space. And then north of our football field, we had kind of like a windbreak of evergreens for protection of our football field. But then behind that, it was basically just this lot of grass that did nothing. They didn't mow it. It'd be like four feet tall by the end of the summer. And so uh, we went to our superintendent and principal at the time and saying, hey, uh, what would you think about putting in a forest back there, some trees? And then we kind of started to look at programming that actually was done by the Minnesota DNR and they have what's called the school forest program. And what that allows you to do is it kind of, it designates that land as a school forest and you can get some additional resources. Um, you can get some funding and that sort of thing. And so once we got the green light, um, we're like, okay, we got to get trees, trees cost money. So how do we do this thing? 
So it actually started off with the local soil and water conservation district, the CWC or SWCD, uh, gave us just, you know, little yearly plants, only like two feet tall. And that's kind of how it started. But we also wanted to kind of get some larger trees established. And so the first year we did, we, we called it a tree drive. And uh, we sent it out to our community and it was $50 to sponsor a tree. So you could do an oak, you could do a maple, uh, an evergreen or an apple tree. And it was basically your family could sponsor it. You could do it in memory of someone. You could do it as a, a business. You could designate it for a tree or you could just say for supplies. Uh, and that first year, I want to say we raised $6,000 just on those tree sponsors. Wow. So all of a sudden, okay, now we're, we're, we got some trees. Um, and then we ended up doing that for a, a two year cycle and, and it did really well both years. So now we have uh, an apple orchard with, uh, I think there's 96 trees um, and we'll add some more. I'm actually going to pick some up tomorrow. And uh, then a whole bunch of other, you know, we kept the seed leaves from the soil water conservation district, but then also a whole bunch of swamp white oak and, and white oak and some, some pine and that sort of thing. And so, um, our elementary uses it a lot to kind of just go back there and sit and read. Our A classes have used it for tree ID, biology wise. I've used it. Um, we actually do all of the, like the apple pruning and apple picking with, uh, with my classes. But what's cool is in the fall, last year was the first fall that we actually had apples and people would just walk through, grab an apple and then carry on their merry way. So it was just kind of a way that if they sponsored a tree, you can grab an apple and have a snack. Or even if you did it, hey, what's this? Oh, this looks like apple. I'm going to eat this apple or whatever. <laughs> so um, it just gave us a, a green space for our, uh, our our students, but also our community uses it a lot also. And I would think it helps with your tree identification work too. Um, There's that Envirothon coming full circle. <laughs> yep. So we used to only have spruce and pine back there, but now we got all kinds of oak and maple and other trees that we can identify. So yeah, it'll help us. <laughs> that way too. What a great way to use space within your district, but create an opportunity too. Your district is very lucky to have you both. We've been pretty fortunate on, you know, we come up with these ideas or try to, you know, replicate these positive experiences that we've had in a rural, in a rural school district, but the communities just, they just dive right in behind you where, Hey, that's a great idea. Let's, uh, you know, let's jump, let's jump onto that. What do you need from us? Do you need, you know, manpower? Do you need uh, money do you need? What do you need? Um, and it's amazing whether it's fishing club, environment, or the school forest, how many people are just willing to help and just like to provide these opportunities for their kids. Many thanks go out to the Goodhue School District and community for your continued support in creating these amazing learning opportunities for kids. No doubt, Goodhue, Minnesota is a great place to raise a kid in rural Minnesota. And of course, we have to thank teachers Matt Helverson and Robbie Ebner for going above and beyond. You clearly wear many hats, and yet you go above and beyond and create these amazing opportunities. Without your advocacy, I'm not sure that these things would have come to fruition in the same way that they have today. I also want to note the fact that they referenced a teacher that had impacted them so much. Uh, Impactful teaching is often uh, cyclical or kind of a generational thing. So, uh, of course, I want to thank Craig Colbinson uh, for impacting them, which in turn impacted these students. 
Uh, no doubt, uh, teaching in rural areas, we have to be creative problem solvers, excellent advocates, and uh, people with really big hearts, which no doubt, Matt, Robbie, and the folks at Goodhue, you all have it. The Proud Rural Teacher Podcast is hosted by me, Jessica Brogley, with the School of Education at the University of Wisconsin-Platteville. The theme music was created by secondary English education major, Simon Yan. The RSC sponsor segment was recorded by elementary education major, Maddie Lund. Be sure to subscribe to the PRT Podcast and visit us online at proudruralteacherpodcast.com. And if you have an episode suggestion or feedback, please leave us a speak pipe message on our website. We want to hear your stories. Thanks for listening.